uh, sermon that will bless your heart this morning. Matthew in chapter 22 is where we are. We're going to begin again to look in verse 36, and, and uh, we'll give a little bit of the backstory here after we read our, our text verse and open in prayer this morning. But the Bible says in Matthew 22, verse 36, Master, which is the greatest, or which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, we thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. Uh, Lord, we thank you for every soul that is present this morning. I pray you richly, wonderfully, and greatly bless their, their hearts, Lord, their minds. And I pray, dear God, that you would take your message this morning, speak through our hearts today, and let it change us, Lord, inwardly and outwardly, that we may make a difference in this world today. Lord, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for your infinite grace. I thank you for uh, your wisdom, Father. I thank you for your powerfulness. And Lord, I just thank you for your love that you've had for each and every one of us, for your creation. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask these things. Amen. So, beloved, what an amazing question. And I really believe it's even more of a powerful answer. The question in itself really and truly draws its validity uh, in, from the answer or who's answering it or who's being asked. But the person who asked the question really and truly reveals how Jesus Christ turned and answered this question. And so I've given a title to today's, uh, to today's sermon, and it's just simply called uh, The Greatest Commandment, because in a great way, we read the Scripture, Master, which is the great commandment in the law. So, so here's the deal. If the person from whom uh, this question arose, if he was an unknown character in the Bible, so if the Lord just decided to use this as a parable and said an individual stood and said thus and thus and thus, uh, you know, I may be persuaded to think that, uh, that the question was noble, that it was just, that it was true, uh, really and truly a question asked in sincerity of heart and mind, seeking to increase their knowledge of the Lord God uh, and the purpose drawing closer to God. But we know that's not the case. You see, we know that's not the situation uh, here. The Bible is specific about who is asking the question and even more specific of how and why he was asking the question. Look back, if you will, a few verses in your scripture there in verse 34. And the Bible says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. And then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, so guys, this man was a lawyer. That's not a, uh, in the Word of God, that's not a solicitor, uh, nothing like that, not a magistrate, uh, uh, but he was a Pharisee. He was a lawyer because he was an expert on the Mosaic law. Uh, he would be someone trained in the right ways of God's law. We, we need not overlook that when we read about the Pharisees and who the Pharisees are. You had men who was the most respected Pharisee of all at the time uh, of Jesus Christ's life, as well as Paul's, who was Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a righteous man. He was a Pharisee. But we don't find anywhere that, that Gamaliel was wicked, that he held his hat on the traditions more than the, the right ways of the law of God. Uh, we, we see other ones uh, in there uh, several times, those who were converted. So we need not think about the Pharisees as we use the phrase pharisaical attitude, Okay. And, and think that they were just a bunch of, of reprobates, because all of them were not. They were experts on the law. The problem is, is that they got so didactic that they lost their faith, and then they begin to apply and, and misinterpret the Scriptures and so on and so on. But that's neither here nor there for today. 
So he was someone who was taught in every aspect of the law of God. And when he asked this question, guys, he's not peeling from the Ten Commandments. Guys, he's referencing, when he says, what is the great commandment? He's referencing the 613 laws found written throughout the book of Moses. That's what, he's, that's what he's looking at, the books of Moses, I should say. The Bible is clear as to why he's asking the question. He, was, is it, he wasn't sincere. He wasn't noble. He's surely not just. Uh, he's trying. He's tempting the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's trying to get the Lord to focus in on one particular law, thus overlooking or de-emphasizing the other 1600, uh, 612. And this is, guys, this is what people with other motives do. Uh, they want to be heard. They want to stir up and provoke. They want to attempt to call uh, provocation to someone. They want to call someone out. Uh, I, I would say in our day today, he probably would be on Twitter or Facebook or something like that, this lawyer would. He would throw something out there trying to lure someone in to bite, and then when they bit, they would jump all over him and all this and that. Facebook social media warriors today who have zero backbone when they stand face to face. I'm saying all that, guys, to say this. When he attempted to call the Lord out, when he was tempting him, guys, the Word of God is too quick for us to do that. The Word of God is too keen. The Word of God is too true. It's too poor to allow the moment of divisiveness without calling someone out. Matter of fact, Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, pierced even the dividing asunder, soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That was Pastor Ellis's favorite verse. So I want you to take note that the Lord didn't jump all over him. You know what? If we knew the intentions of everyone, and they came to us, and we knew they were tempting us, and we had all this knowledge. You know what we'd do? Man, we would jump all over and ridicule them and make fun of them. I mean, we would embarrass them in front of everybody, you know, because that's our carnal nature. But the Lord didn't do that. Matter of fact, the Lord did not even rebuke him, uh, you know, bringing him to an open shame. This, the Lord simply answered his question in a manner that he thought was fit. And he said this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And beloved, the Lord, the love the Lord is telling us to have, I mean, to love, if you will, to, to love the Lord with all thy heart. And that is to love the Lord God with all of your being. I mean, your every intention. This is why the Word of God is so quick and powerful, that it divides your thoughts and your intentions. You're not going to hide it from Him. So to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, number one, is all your being. It is every intention. It's every aspect of your purpose, your plan, and your path. That's the first part. To love the Lord thy God with all thy soul is to love the Lord with your entire life. 24-7, 365 days a year, and every fourth year, 366. To love the Lord God with all your whole life, with your every existence. With each and every breath, there is a loving, grateful direction to the one who has provided it. And then the third one, to love the Lord thy God with all your mind. It is to love the Lord with every thought. 
Each and every thought coming from your heart is filtered through the mind. And this thought is to be directed to God. Through Jesus Christ, by the power and might of the Holy Spirit of God. Paul said this, Paul said, Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I mean, that's a simple answer, isn't it? To love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, everything that you have. But you know, the Lord Jesus Christ goes a step further. Turn with me in, in your scriptures there. Look down maybe in your, in your Bible. Look at verse 38. The Lord says here in verse 38, he says, This is the first and great commandment. Now, I'm going to ask you something here when we stop and we think. Now, you know, the Lord was asked this question, you know, basically this. Which is the greatest commandment? He, he, you know, the, the, the lawyer says, Master, which is, which is, the great commandment in the law. He was not asked which is the best two. He was not asked uh, uh, which ones are the most important than others. That's not what he, he said. He was asked which one. And yet the Lord proceeds in verse 39 and verse 40. He says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That's in verse 40. In verse 39, he says, And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love the neighbor, thy neighbor as thyself. Say with me here on this. Again, Jesus was asked which one would be the greatest. And yet he answers with two. We find the specifics. We find the details. That the Lord doesn't hide the fact that he's given a second one. He doesn't sneak it in. He actually says, and the second Close to the answer by saying, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He doesn't de-emphasize all of the law. He doesn't remove the prophets. He doesn't say, these two or this one is better. He says, every single one of the laws, every one of the prophets hang on these two. Even though you ask for one, they all hang. All 613 laws and all of the prophets in the Word of God, Jesus is telling this lawyer, and he's telling us, they hang on these two commandments. To love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. So do you think Jesus got it wrong? You think there's another commandment out there that's greater than the two that he said everything hangs on? Do you think the Lord answered hastily? Do you think he stumbled on the question? Do you think he just threw something out there, guys, that, that sounds pious? I don't believe so. Not at all. I mean, he's my God. He's, he's incapable of making a mistake. And the reason being is because these two commandments are hinged on one another. They're hinged together. First, guys, we are commanded to love. That's verse 37 and verse 39. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the, uh, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Verse 39 says, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We are commanded to love. And this is not a love of a sense of an emotion, okay? Or even an intimate love as a husband would have uh, for his wife. Uh, this is the same love that Paul spoke about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is translated correctly and properly and perfectly in the King James Bible as charity. It's the agape love. It's a sacrificial love. 
A love which is willing to give itself sacrificially to someone. Now, there is a love that's in the Bible that's, that's known as filial love, meaning a deep friendship, but not here. Not with Christ and not with others. It is, it is much more than a deep friendship, guys. It, it is the love that Christ had for his creation. Love is an action. Just, I understand there's an emotional attachment that is uh, connected to love. I understand that. But love is an action seen in deeds and works. Jesus Christ said, if, there's the conditional word, if you love me, tell me about it. It's not what he said, did he? If you love me, talk to someone. No, he says, keep my commandments. Think about this just a bit. Do you love the Lord? Look back at your last seven days. Think about your commitment, your dedication, your faithfulness. Just in the last seven days. How are your actions in relation to how you say you love the Lord Jesus Christ? How are they connected? My friend, love is not love is not an emotion. There is an emotion connected to it. Yes, I get that. But love is an action. Remember, guys, the first commandment was to love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. These hinge together. So love becomes much more than just an action. It's not just, say, throwing money or food at someone. That doesn't constitute love. In order for us to truly love, guys, we must first love the Lord. This is why the Lord gives this commandment first. It establishes our reasoning and our methodology, if you will, of loving others. It is the foundation. It is the core to love. It is to first love Him. So first, we find that we must love. Secondly, who do we love? We must first love the Lord. And this springing from point number one into point number two, this is where our attention is focused. This is where our energy should be hurled, not in, a, uh, not in trying to upstage someone else or exercising a love uh, uh, you know, towards someone trying to make ourselves look better, but rather exercising love toward the Lord himself. And the key is to understanding what it means to love the Lord with all of our heart with all of our soul and all of our mind, with every fiber of our being, we should have a love projected toward the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, think about a person who is obsessed with a certain topic. Think about someone who is absolutely obsessed with something. I mean, you can, think about someone who's a, addicted to something. You can use the word addiction. I mean, it's, the word addiction is not always bad. Not all addictions are bad. Well, the world would tell you that you shouldn't be too obsessed with church. I had a conversation with someone a week or so ago, and, and they said, you know, yeah, you know, we believe, but we just don't get too attached to things. We don't get too attached to church. We don't, you know, we're not one of those Bible thumpers. We don't, you know, we're not, I'm, I'm like, and I want to say, and you're not saved. Amen. If you don't have a strong, deep desire and love to be in the house of God with God's people, with God's word, don't tell me you love the Lord Jesus Christ. You're contrary to the word of God when you say that. They'll say, don't get too carried away. 
Don't be there every time the door is open. Don't get too involved, they'll say. And I, I hear these phrases and comments about, about people who say, you know, that, well, they have an addictive personality. I've been accused of having an addictive personality. And then they want to make an attempt to, to fix you. Beloved, it, it may not be the personality which is the problem, but rather the focus on the addiction. You know, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 16. He says in verse 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. He says, let all your, th- all your things be done with charity. That's that sacrificial love again. He says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. Every fiber of our existence That love needs to be projected to the Lord Jesus Christ. Loving the Lord is just like this. It is an addiction. I mean, you cannot addict yourself to the ministry of Christ without loving the Lord. You'll burn yourself out, you'll wear out, you'll fade out, you'll wash out. Without addicting yourself to Him with all your heart, soul, and mind, it'll never happen. But you know what? Here's the the key. We are commanded to love, aren't we? Lawyer shows up, which one's the great commandment? The Lord gives him two answers to a question he was asking only one. Number one, it was love. Who do you love? First, you love the Lord. But here's what happened. Loving the Lord in the manner that we are commanded produces a link, guys. Again, go back to verse 39 and 40 again. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law. And the prophets. Do you know often time, God shapes our hearts through the people we love. Doesn't he? Through the lives of others, God begins to shape who and what we become. And it's clear, guys, it's clear to me when compassion and kindness are brought into our life, God is moving in a way on my behalf. He's loving me through the lives of others. The Bible tells us no man dieth in himself, no man liveth unto himself. We were never meant to be an island in and of ourselves. We were never to, meant to just try to have church by ourselves in our study or our bedroom or our kitchen. That was, we were never meant that. We were always meant to be together in fellowship one with another, building relationships, loving one another. That is the link that we have in the body of Christ. Guys, there are people out there in the world, they have amazing experiences when they, they feel the love of God for the first time in their hearts. Go back to the time when you first experienced it. Go back to the time that you give testimonies of today and, and you speak that you, you put it in God's hand and you remember, you saw how God moved. Man, it was just so great. It was wonderful. Experiencing that firsthand allows you to go off alone and feel his presence, his approval, his acceptance, his acceptance in a direct way. But the same way, guys, I believe that God's love, I believe it's always on. Now, for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, we have a tendency of time to think of God sat up there in heaven waiting for us to mess up. Listen, he got to wait long if he's looking for me to mess up, all right? It had to happen in a matter of seconds, all right? And we think that he sat up there in heaven with his iron rod 
just waiting for BJ to screw up. And as soon as he does, I'm just going to whack him one. Why do we have that vision? Yeah, he's a just God. Yes, he's a jealous God. Yes, he's a consuming fire. But he's also a loving God. He's also a compassionate God. He's also the Lord who didn't think, he's also the Lord that took on uh, the the realm of man and experienced everything that we would ever experience and ten times more to give himself for our lives. I believe his love is always on. I believe his love is always residing in us. I believe his love and acceptance and his delight in us is always present. And the key to experiencing more of this love in our life, listen carefully, is to give it away. To let it flow out so that you can be filled in it even more. You know what? I think this, this I'm going to give you, and again, it doesn't happen often. But I think that we have this image of God being this angry God who's just looking to, you know, to poke you in the eyeball. We have this image in our heart and our mind because we're hoarding all the love he's given us. We're hoarding it in. And we're not giving it out to someone else so that we can be filled with more and allow it to flow through us. You know, the reality is God could have just rained down his love upon us and been done with it. Man, he could have set set up a direct flow, like a direct debit, if you will. He He could have just poured it into each and every person's heart. That's not how he worked. It's not how he set things up. Beloved, we are not called to be reservoirs of God's love and grace. You know, this is the rebuke that God had toward Moab. In Jeremiah 48, verse 11, the Bible says, Moab hath been at ease from his youth, and hath he hath settled on his lees, and hath not been empty from vessel to vessel, neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him, and his scent is not changed. And now Moab is a picture of the flesh, perpetual enemy of God's people. Moab is a picture of carnality. It is the antithesis of what is spiritual. And the Lord is, is saying they are guilty of being at ease, settling on their leaves, which is defined as something preserved or settlings. Like the little coffee settlings you get into your when you get down that last string, those settlings. That's what, that's what the leaves are. They're resting and they're depending on what always has been. The Bible says they're settled and they're not expecting the Lord to do anything. They're rested back. Zephaniah 1 tells us in verse 12, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their leaves, that say in their heart, The Lord will not do good. Neither will he do evil. And this is what happens, guys. When souls soak up the love of God, taking it in and taking it in and taking it in and taking it in and never emptying it out to others. We are to be channels. We are to be rivers meant to flow, guys. And when you think, if you think about it, it's a brilliant strategy. It's a beautiful plan because the more we love others, the more his love spreads out into the world. And the more we pour out, the more he pours in. The more we give away, the more we experience. Just think on that for a moment. Guys, maybe that's why Jesus' answer, the 
living a powerful life, if you want to call it, to this Pharisee was a two-pronged commandment. I mean, I, we call it the greatest commandment. It was, a, it was a commandment that it was a description of how life works. The more we love others, the more we experience the love of God. Now, maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're sat here today and you're like, man, I'm just, I feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. I feel like I'm going around in circles. I'm stressed. I'm, 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 all these things are happening to me. Just like I asked you a moment ago, look back in the last seven days. How much love did you pour out to others in the last seven days? And guys, look, I'm not saying that to you judgmentally by any stretch of the imagination. The busyness of this time of year, the busy schedules that we run, it is very easy to get tunnel vision, to get moving 100 miles an hour, and forget the things that we're supposed to do every single day. You get frustrated, you get irritated, you, you, know, you get short-fused, short-tempered. All of those things happen. I understand that, but the reality check is this today. We want to experience the love of God. Then we're going to take on board where He hangs every bit of the law and every bit of the prophets. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. To love God and love others. It was a commandment. It was a description of how life works. And the more we do, the more he'll do back. The Lord has appointed us a primary mechanism, guys, for expanding the love inside of our hearts. Loving others is the way he'll continue to love us even more. More life, guys. The more we give, the more we receive. The bottom line of this, guys, we can't love ourselves. We can't love others if we don't first love God. And that's an agape love, a sacrificial love. And it's for this matter, guys, that we cannot love God without loving others. You understand? It's a catch-22. It's a two-way street. And this is why the Lord answered a, a one-part question with two answers. Because those two commandments are symbiotic, one of another. You can't have one without the other. But guys, we can't please God without exercising that love that he's commanded us to give. His love for us, our love for him, into the lives of other people. That's the key where it all hangs this morning. We bow your heads today. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your day. We thank you for the time that you've given us this morning. We pray that you please would bless the rest of this Sunday, dear Lord, be with us, if you will, in the midst of, of our fellowship hour, our fellowship time. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would continue to watch over each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, exercise the love that we need both toward you and toward those around us. Help us, Lord, I pray, to be ever so reminded that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, I love you and I thank you for what you've done, for who and what you are. In Jesus Christ's glorious name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I do hope and pray the sermon you just heard was a tender blessing to your heart and to your soul. I hope that it gives you the encouragement, edification to face the challenges that we see each and every day and week throughout our life. I'd like to invite you out to one of our live services here at Saren Chapel in Aberamon. We are located on Lewis Street as well as Davis Street. Davis Street is the entrance to our chapel and as well as Lewis Street is the entrance to our hall and you can use either one of them. But secondly today, guys, I would like to share just a brief message to you now to ask you to where you are going in eternity. 
if today was the last day you were alive, if today, by some tragedy, this was the last moment you had on this earth, when you closed your eyes, would you wake up and see Jesus Christ? It is a simple question, guys, and it is even a more simple answer. The Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, paid the ultimate price for mankind. He gave us the free pass to eternal life by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, being buried into that grave, but rising again on the third day. It is simple as this. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, guys, while we were sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his life. As a matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Sin is defined as the transgression of God's law. But what happened was the payment with, for mankind is death. Romans 6, 23 clearly tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I ask you today, what would, what would stop you right here, right now, from bowing your head and saying a prayer much like this, Lord Jesus Christ, I trust in you. Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you stepped up out of the grave to give us victory over sin and victory over death. I invite you into my heart and ask forgiveness of my sins and ask you to lead God and direct me throughout the rest of my life. Now, here's the thing. You say that prayer in your own words, but you have to say it and believe in it. Remember, Romans 10, 9 says, And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from the word of God. That is a promise from God himself. That is the promise from the creator of all things, that if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, ask forgiveness of your sins, accept his free gift and pardon of sin into your heart today, that you will be born again, that you will have eternal life in heaven. Guys, I hope and pray this is a blessing to you today. I hope and pray that you'd make that decision. And if you have, if you've made that decision today, let us rejoice with you. Come by and see us here at the church or hit us up online at any of the social media outlets or through email or however you can. Just share with us the glorious transformation that you just received in your life. Guys, I hope to see you soon in the house of God. I hope to see you soon right here in Sharon Chapel. And may the Lord be with each and every one of you. God bless.